Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Later, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron will join us. We'll talk about issues facing the state's top prosecutor, including a renewed emphasis on the opioid crisis. Daniel Cameron a little later. But first, Congressman Hal Rogers is here. He is now the longest continuously serving member of the U.S. House. As Dean of the House, the Republican will now serve on the influential steering committee that decides priorities for lawmakers. Rogers was already the longest serving congressman from Kentucky ever and now after the death of Congressman Don Young Rogers has the distinction of the longest tenure there in Washington. He was first elected in 1980 but at age 84 the Republican from Somerset stays busy. Rogers has managed to get earmarks back in the recently passed spending bill. He has ideas about how the U.S. should assist in the Ukrainian situation. Congressman Hal Rogers welcome back to uh, Kentucky Newsmakers. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, Bill. Good to be with you again. I know there is no joy, certainly in the death of a colleague, and particularly that you, someone you were friends with, as you said many were. Yeah. Uh, when you think about that, though, is it hard to believe that you now have achieved this status as being what uh, some call father of the house? <laughs> uh, if I'm the father, it's an unruly house, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, it shocks my mind to think about it. Uh, I never dreamt of serving in Congress when I was younger. I never dreamt later of serving this long. But, you know, you pick up and learn things as you go along, and uh, I've been able to put a lot of that to use for my district. With that uh, ultimate seniority now comes an automatic assignment on the House Steering Committee. Uh, that will give you some additional influence in terms of uh, who's on other committees and, and, and some of the flow of legislation, right? Yeah, the steering committee is sort of the uh, Republican leader's group that he uses to, to rule. Uh, and uh, it, it decides who serves on what committee of the House, which is terribly important to every member, uh, to try to represent his district, their district. Uh, but it's also a sort of a sounding board for the speaker and the leadership on issues. Uh, I served on it uh, many years ago for several years, and it's a lot of hard work because every member wants to come to you and make their case for such and so committee. Uh, but it's also a great place to, to gain some points. Are you uh, treated with the, the respect of your, uh, of your seniority by the, by the younger members? I mean, do they realize, as you said, you've learned a lot that some of them may have a lot to learn? Uh, for the most part, yes. They, they, they want to know how you do this or why did you do so and so. Uh, so it's a good place for me to spread influence, but also to try to help new members especially uh, do their job the way they want to do it. So I'm a resource. You have uh, often said that you have stayed all these years because the problems have persisted uh, in your district in particular. Uh, what uh, do you think you've had a hand in changing in that district over these four decades? And <clears throat> what remains the most persistent problem? When I first got elected, the first weekend, I had the Corps of Engineers helicopter me with their leadership the length of the Cumberland River, all the way from up in Harlan County, all the way down through Cumberland Falls, to, to uh, try to figure out a way to stop the flooding that perennially uh, 
hit those communities. Uh, and out of that grew this uh, long program, it's still going on, of building flood walls or levees or cut-throughs or tunnels or what have you to, uh, to stop the flooding. And I'm happy to say, since that time, we have not had a single flood in any of those towns. Now, out in the county, outside the flood wall, <clears throat> not so good. But inside the town, it works. So we would tackle flood control. We also have tackled the, the drug problem. OxyContin got its start there. Uh, and we formed an organization called UNITE, which stands for Unlawful Narcotics Investigations, Treatment, Education, uh, a holistic approach to the problem. <clears throat> and that's been going on ever since with great results. Thousands of people involved in it, especially young people. Uh, and now we've taken it national. We have a national summit every year of uh, the UNITE program to try to take that model that worked here and do it nationwide. You were one of the first in a position of power to hold the drug makers responsible yes. uh, for what they had done. And you insisted on that. Yes, absolutely. Well, UNITE works. So we also have tackled many other really difficult problems that uh, the region faces. The shutdown of the coal industry, frankly. Uh, the the uh, doing away of the tobacco support program was very important in, in our small town region. Uh, but I think the one that I'm sort of most proud of is, uh, is the newest one, and it's called SOAR, S-O-A-R, Shaping Our Appalachian Region. Uh, back in, in uh, Governor Steve Bashir's time, um, I had the idea that we could uh, gain so much jo job programs with the Internet. And so I set out to run the Internet throughout my district. We got into the numbers, and I began to realize this thing is too big for just me from my district. So I went to the governor, Governor Steve Bashir, and to the leadership of the House and Senate together and had, the, had this idea that if the state would take on this project and run it statewide, uh, Kentucky could be the number one state in the nation to connect every single county together. And of course, Kentucky Wired now is in existence and is doing just that. Every county in Kentucky now is wired up together. And they're building programs to put on that network. So that's, uh, that gives us the chance through the SOAR organization to think big thoughts and to think differently and to, uh, to think that this can be done even though it's big. What's been the, the thing that's been the most elusive, the, the most difficult uh, issue that, that, that you still think uh, needs some work? Well, there's a whole bunch. But um, I, think, I think the attitude change that I have seen, and I'm seeing now, the attitude within people's minds that we can do this and we can do that, We've been so used to in the mountains of relying just on the coal industry. And we didn't do anything else much. But now that that industry is practically gone, we're having to think new thoughts. 
so many of those towns have embraced their their history and 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 uh, have really branded themselves and are, are, are beginning to thrive. You know. They really are, yeah. and and as you say, they're identifying the things that identify them. A spending bill has recently passed, and for the first time in a dozen years, you have some earmarks in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are a couple of highlights of that? Oh boy, we could go on for a while. Um, Number one, it increased uh, national defense spending, uh, which was which is desperately needed in this day and time. But for example, we got money for the Beattyville flood wall study, the beginning of that project to, to try to pr contain uh, the river. Um, the city of Salyersville restaurant row project uh, uh, that improves the mountain parkway as it zips through that community. Uh, well, there's a new downtown Manchester uh, marketplace, two and a quarter million dollars to the city. Uh, Eastern Kentucky Pride, uh, the septic tank program. Um, people don't realize it, but the, the, the Pride organization, among other things, has provided uh, some 7,400 septic systems at people's homes that they couldn't afford because of, uh, you know, the polluted direct pipe program. Uh, so we've replaced those straight pipes with uh, septic tanks in the case of poor people at no cost. But there's money in there to continue that program. The Hyden, uh, Leslie County Water District Improvement Programs, Johnson County First Responder Communications Project, the Martin County water uh, transmission lines and that troubled water system over there. Moorhead's Fire Department uh, gets a new uh, fire station. Uh, Operation Unite has a half a million dollars in the substance abuse prevention program. The Pikeville Medical Center's Appalachian Valley Autism Center uh, received funding and so on. Those are the 10 earmarks that we were able to get through. The Ukrainian situation uh, is tough. Uh, the U.S. options seem limited. Uh, 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 you know, you and President Biden are among those who have been around Washington uh, the longest. Uh, do you have advice for him? Do you generally uh, approve of uh, the way he's handling the situation at the moment? Well, I've got mixed feelings about it. Uh, I think the Russians are, are taking advantage of his uh, low poll ratings, uh, thinking that uh, he doesn't have as much authority to withstand Russia's attacks. Um, but on the other hand, I'm not sure what we could have done differently. We dare not uh, get directly involved in that battle, although your urge is to do so, uh, seeing the horrible treatment, the brutal treatment those people are enduring. Uh, but uh, I've, I've been there. I, I was there a couple of times. And the people of Ukraine uh, are tough, hardworking, honest people. Uh, and it breaks your heart to see them being run over and killed by this tyrant. Do you the czar of the modern age. Do you believe the Congress will be prepared to continue to support Ukrainian people? Yes. They have great uh, great support in the Congress on, uh, on both sides of the aisle. 
the pandemic uh, has lessened its grip. We were left realizing that some of our health problems uh, went on and that the opioid crisis, in fact, uh, <coughs> got worse. Uh, you uh, have always pushed for some funding to, to deal uh, with that matter. But yet, it's, again, a frustrating problem in that the, the, the overdose deaths and the, and the opioid distribution continues. And worse. Uh, we've seen a surge here of late, and the problem is a is that fentanyl, a deadly, strong, terrible pill, manufactured in China and shipped over here through Mexico, is mixed in with uh, with, with whatever other drug you want to use, including oxycontin, um, and it it kills. We're, we're having people die much bigger than ever. Congressman, congratulations on uh, your uh, rising to this position, the longest serving member of Congress. <laughs> uh, and uh, I know that uh, you'll continue to be busy. I mean, you, you're, you're running for re-election this year, right? Yeah, sure I am. Uh, well, I, I want to do this job as long as I'm, I'm able and as long as the people want me to, I mean, they may decide I've had, they've had enough of me. We'll see. Thank you for coming by. We appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. We hope you'll stay with us. We'll be back with Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron on Kentucky Newsmakers. We welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Glad you're here. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron joining us now. Cameron has been busy during his tenure with issues coming at his office at a rapid pace. The pandemic, the Breonna Taylor case, ongoing opioid crisis, some of those. Kentucky is getting nearly half a billion dollars from a settlement to fight the opioid crisis. Cameron is a historic figure, the only African-American elected statewide in his own right. His own initiatives include targeting abortion in the state and recently an effort to figure out how TikTok videos are impacting young people. Daniel Cameron is the 51st Attorney General of Kentucky, the first Republican elected to the office since World War II. General Cameron, welcome. We appreciate you coming in. I really am honored to be here and always good to see you, Bill. Congratulations, 11 week old at home. 11 right? week <laughs> old at home. Uh, God love Mackenzie. She, she <laughs> takes care of them uh, while I'm out uh, having these sorts of conversations and we're not sleeping as much right now, which is uh, to be expected, I suppose. It's overrated. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the COVID state of emergency is now ended by the legislature. The governor's power to respond to a pandemic significantly curtailed by uh, legislative action. You intervened a couple of times uh, along the way and challenged uh, his authority. Mask mandates or uh, those kinds of things are now gone. Have we arrived at a place that you're comfortable with now in terms of a governor's authority to respond to an emergency? Or are we in a situation now where if something happened quickly, uh, we might have some challenges? Well, I think the whole conversation in our General Assembly about responding to the emergency uh, was really about the responsibility of allowing a lot of folks at the table to ha be involved in this conversation. The General Assembly, uh, for most in all intents and purposes, were cut out of any conversation on how to respond. Uh, I think that uh, wasn't uh, appropriate given that uh, our members of the General Assembly reflect the larger uh, community are all of our 120 counties and they certainly should be a part of the conversation in determining how we respond 
to a pandemic. So I was pleased with the decisions that were made and the policy changes that were made in our General Assembly to allow them to sit at the table and to be a part of the conversation with the governor. Uh, I think it, when you have a go it alone strategy, it can ultimately end in some unintended consequences, meaning that uh, you have some policy decisions that perhaps didn't make sense. I, I'm reminded of uh, the travel restriction that occurred, uh, meaning that uh, if you left Kentucky and then came back, you had to quarantine for a period of days. And of course, most Kentuckians, I think, thought, well, maybe we can get behind that if it makes sense. But the fact of the matter is, if you lived in northern Kentucky and say you liked barbecue and you wanted to go to Montgomery, Montgomery Inn barbecue, when you came back, you had to quarantine. For most folks in northern Kentucky, that's a 20-minute ride. Uh, meanwhile, if you lived in northern Kentucky, say you want to go to Old Hickory or Moonlight in west Kentucky, that's a four or five-hour drive, depending on where you live in northern Kentucky. You could make that trip without having to go back to your house in quarantine. Now, if the idea was that we wanted to limit the exposure and risk to COVID, how is a 20-minute ride across the river to get barbecue and come back more dangerous than that four or five hour drive. Now again, I'm all for trading in state, uh, but the fact of the matter is that that just didn't make a lot of sense. So we did challenge that and ultimately got that order rescinded. The opioid crisis clearly deepened uh, during the pandemic. Uh, people uh, turned to drugs and alcohol abuse. We've seen that in, in the numbers. Kentucky's now getting a $483 million distribution from a settlement against drug distributors. How will that money be put to use? Well, uh, that is a significant uh, down payment on making sure that we turn the tide against uh, this epidemic. Look, Bill, you know as well as I do that we've been talking. You've had folks on this program a lot uh, that have had the opportunity to convey um, our concern about the epidemic. But right now, bringing these dollars in the door, this $483 million into the door, gives us an opportunity again to turn the tide against this epidemic. I'm excited about it. Uh, that uh, money is going to be split with, uh, with counties and cities uh, along with state government uh, to really look at ways in which we can use these dollars to break the cycles of addiction, uh, to put those dollars in treatment facilities, uh, to put those dollars in housing and transportation and how we respond in emergency situations to the opioid epidemic. So there are a lot of ways in which these dollars are going to be used. How do we disrupt, uh, General, the, the, the demand and the desire uh, within Kentucky, the market uh, for uh, illicit drug use? Well, that's why our law enforcement community is so important, because they continue uh, in the midst of COVID-19 and everything else uh, to look for ways to interdict these drugs, meaning getting uh, the folks that are peddling this poison into our communities, these traffickers, off of the streets and God love them for being willing to step into those messy situations. But we also need, and why this $483 million is also important, in addition to interdiction, we also need the ability to expand our rehabilitative services and rehabilitation efforts here uh, in the Commonwealth. And so I think continuing the law enforcement efforts, but expanding the footprint of our rehabilitation uh, possibilities uh, is going to have a significant dent uh, in curtailing this epidemic in the Commonwealth. Uh, medical marijuana was passed by the House. It is before the Senate. Uh, where do you fall on that issue? Many in law enforcement say they have some concerns about a slippery slope. Uh, many in the medical community are, are split on the issue, with some saying that it gives great relief to, to some who are in, in agonizing discomfort. Well, look, let me say, uh, first of all, look, I, I um, sympathize with uh, folks in Kentucky or brothers and sisters that 
are, are struggling with pain and uh, difficulties that are born out of past experiences or past hurts or injuries. I understand that or they've got a significant diagnosis. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I side with our law enforcement community in the sense that um, I don't want to put Kentucky in a position um, that uh, challenges us when it comes to uh, interdicting drugs in the Commonwealth, meaning if uh, medical marijuana makes it more difficult for our law enforcement community uh, to be able to interdict drugs and get drugs off the street, uh, I think that's something we have to seriously think through. Obviously, the, the bill is continuing its way through the legislature, uh, but I think um, the concerns that have been raised by law enforcement uh, related to putting a, another potential uh, drug in the market that could be diverted and used for unintended purposes uh, is really challenging. So I, I, I for one, um, uh, think that we need to pause and, and make sure that we've really thought through this. Again, I know my... So you oppose it passing in this session? Well, again, I won't say uh, I oppose in this session, but I want to make sure that the law enforcement community's reservations are really uh, focused on uh, and you know, from my point of view, medical marijuana is something that uh, perhaps shouldn't be passed in this legislative session. You have fought hard to restrict abortions in Kentucky. The legislature is passing of, of several abortion bills. The Supreme Court uh, could reframe the whole uh, abortion issue this summer. Uh, is it your intent to see that abortions are not performed in Kentucky? Well, look, I'm 100% uh, pro-life and I believe fully in the responsibility to protect life. Uh, as I just talked about Mackenzie, I've got 11 week old at home. Uh, it, it really focuses your um, uh, priorities when it comes to life and so in our office we're going to do everything we can to stand up and defend life whether it's uh, standing up uh, to defend the ban on live dismemberment abortions that was passed in a bipartisan way a few years ago uh, or if it's continuing to defend a ban on uh, abortions that are based on discrimination. We are going to continue to stand up for that. I think uh, the Dobbs case is really important. Uh, I honestly think Rose days are numbered. I think the more that folks have an opportunity to see images of their child uh, while in the womb, uh, to hear that heartbeat, uh, that can change a mindset or view as it relates to abortion. So uh, I value uh, Kentuckians' views on this in, in that uh, we want to value the lives of the unborn. Uh, I'm going to continue to support that position uh, and look forward to a day where uh, Roe v. Wade is no longer the law of the land. You have uh, taken on the human trafficking issue in Kentucky. Do you think the public understands the scope of that uh, that issue and is there something the public can do to, to assist? Well, on the human trafficking front, uh, we just uh, uh, launched uh, uh, back at the end of last year the Your Eyes Save Lives campaign. It's a campaign that is simple, but th the message is a, a big one, which is that our eyes, your viewers' eyes, uh, can uh, save the lives of somebody that might be subjected to human trafficking. And so it's an important message for us to share. We have tried to double down our efforts uh, to um, make sure that folks all across the Commonwealth, whether it be our sheriffs or our, our police chiefs and their respective uh, uh, departments or offices have the information necessary to better investigate these cases. You recently joined some other attorneys general in authorizing a study to see what impact TikTok apps have on, on young people. Uh, what are your concerns? Well, uh, we are just the preliminary stage of, of um, investigating or looking into information related to uh, TikTok and other online platforms. Our concern um, is that 
uh, perhaps children uh, are being used or being uh, compelled through algorithms uh, to look at uh, material or content that is not healthy for them. Look, as a new parent, this is certainly important to me, and I know it's important to parents all across Kentucky that we make sure that these online platforms are safe for our children uh, to be on. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has uh, moved a lot of Kentuckians to action, including uh, some who've had uh, uh, symbolic events and so on, but some others have raised and sent money to try to help. Uh, your office has raised some concerns about potential scams. Uh, as it relates to that. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, whenever there is a situation of this magnitude or if you take the storms that occurred in uh, central, South Central and West Kentucky, uh, there are going to be bad actors that try to take advantage of that and send emails or other solicitations uh, posing as uh, individuals or organizations uh, that are meant to help uh, and help fund support for Ukraine or fund support for folks down in, in West Kentucky or South Central Kentucky related to the storms. We just want to make sure people are mindful in checking those email addresses uh, and making sure that they're not providing any sensitive information related to uh, banking accounts or social security numbers uh, over emails. Obviously, uh, be very mindful of the folks that you're engaging with on those particular issues. About uh, 30 seconds or so left. Uh, do you intend to run for re-election in 2023? Well, I tend to be on the ballot in uh, 2023. Mackenzie and I are going undertaking a conversation right now about what that looks like for us. Uh, obviously, with a uh, newborn at home. Now, hang on decision. a second. I, I'm hearing something here. You, you tend to be on the ballot. You didn't say necessarily for attorney general. Well, I right? intend to be on the ballot, and we'll see. Not, the, you're not saying for attorney general. Well, I certainly. Are you looking at the governor's race? Well, we're looking uh, at all sort of um, uh, everything that's on the table and obviously you know being in this uh, office has been a, a, a great honor and um, have been grateful for the opportunity to serve Kentuckians uh, in the AG's office but yeah we're looking to see what uh, ultimately could happen. Well, let us know. Yes, all sir. right. Stay with us we'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you for joining us for this busy edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. One of our scheduled guests already for next weekend is Kentucky Secretary of State Michael Adams. We'll talk about the quickly approaching Kentucky primary coming up on May 17th. Again, thank you for joining us for Kentucky Newsmakers, and you make it a good week ahead.